Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Ashlyn Cruz on the show. Ashlyn is Miss City of Fresno 2022, uh, which is a local organization to the Miss America organization and competition. This was a fun conversation where we get to learn about the competition itself, her advocacy uh, in the deaf community, and her children's book, and much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Miss City of Fresno, Ashlyn Cruz, and Baker will take us there. Left in the U.S., Fresno's best. Fresno's best. So, Ashlyn, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Uh, some of my favorite restaurants in Fresno are Bobby Salazar. I love the chili verde burrito. Westwoods has some of the best seafood and Mad Duck has more seafood. It's like this, um, a sea, a shrimp baguette. It's my favorite. It's Cajun style. It's, it's really yummy. Interesting. I've never seafood at Westwoods. Are you talking about Pismos or are you talking about Westwoods? Oh, uh, yeah. Westwoods. They have, I have never ordered seafood there. I didn't even realize I was on the menu. No, next time you go, you have to get the shrimp plate. If you like shrimp. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm down. Yeah. That they just took away like this week, which was my favorite. Yeah. You know, their menus kind of updated since the start of COVID in disappointing directions. I hope things stay the same and I'm not usually one to be like, let's just keep everything the same. But when it comes to menus, I like just don't change it. And I understand things are changing. Like meat is more expensive these days. So like, you know, portions or whatever are going to differ. Oh, yeah. different. Um, honestly, you know, I, beyond eating the salsa, I haven't really gone to Bobby Salazar's all that, all that much. Are you talking about the one that's kind of in the tower area? I know there's a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, Which there's one? a bunch. I think my favorite one is actually in the Champlain area. That's tucked in the corner. Oh but, yes, I oh. have been to that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, usually my thing is to just pound chips and salsa there and like share something uh, yeah. because I can just eat it. And I, I don't, I don't know what makes Bobby Salazar's salsa so good, but it is oh, good. It's so addictive. I originally go to Vaughn's. I buy it like four just so I can stack up, but it only lasts me about a week. So mm. I'll try to put it in there, but it's really tasty. It's tough. And, you know, we're about to talk about, you know, uh, pageants and contests and being healthy. And now we're talking about chips and salsa, okay. but that's a whole different thing. Okay. You know, we, we have to take care of ourselves, right? You know, we've got to. The body wants you, but you put in there. Exactly. Exactly. So um, let's let's jump right in and talk a little bit about what the because uh, there's because there's different levels, right? Of uh, Miss City, Miss Miss State, um, and I know that there's levels. And are, are are these kind of on a kind of a, a a a stairwell like you're moving in the direction upwards, or is it more that they're kind of individual contests, and then you could go to a bigger geographical level or how does it work on that end? So with the Miss America organization, it's like a stairwell. So my title is considered a local title. And then upon winning this one, you move on to the state. So everyone that has won a title in California all goes to Miss California this June. And then whoever wins Miss California with her other state sisterhoods, they go, all of them go to Miss America. Wow. So there's a, so how many, cities are typically represented in California because there's a lot of cities here. Does every city have a Miss City or is it just larger areas? Not usually. There's a couple of systems that haven't been able to bring them back because of not having enough contestants. Um, so right now, I just looked at the number. There are 53 candidates and competing Miss California, Miss and Teen. So I want to say we have, because some cities have more than one girl, maybe 
20 counties, maybe 30 represented. Okay. So, yeah. And I, I guess, you know, if you're going, want to go on to compete at that highest level, it would be Miss America, right? Or there's, there's, there's a world above that. I mean, is there, how does how does it, because I know there's all these different contests and I don't know how they're related to each other. For our organization alone, it's just Miss America is the highest you can go. There's okay. other organizations, there's Miss World, Miss Universe, but for us, it's just Miss America. Okay, got it. Um, and what 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 leads someone to be interested in something like this? Like what led you to be interested in doing this? So when I was just, I want to say I was 18, I was working as a gymnastics coach and one of my previous coworkers, she was a previous Miss Fresno and she was talking about all these events that she got to do. And I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, you got to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, I want to do that, 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 and that. So I kind of looked into it and like looked at all the things that they score you on, kind of what the tale is of becoming a title holder. And I jumped right into it. And I competed two times before I won this title. Wow. So it's, um, you know, you're kind of representing the city. And so you get to be kind of like, you know, the, the poster person for the city in some ways. Um, but you said you competed more than once. Is that common that people compete in it a few times before they win? Is, is, uh, uh, and how big was the competition field in this most recent one? Absolutely. People compete as many times as you're eligible. So the eligibility usually is your residence, your school, or where you work. So as long as you're eligible, you're able to compete as many times as you want in a season. Um, usually the competition for the one that we had most recently, I would think there were, oh, wow, I'm already forgetting. I think eight other girls in my division. I think I was number seven. Okay. Um, so let's, let's talk about the actual competition. Um, Cause I know I've watched some contests on TV before, but I know there's a lot of stuff kind of goes on behind the scenes. Um, and I know let's talk about the interview process. Cause there's two different interviews, right? There's yes. the kind of private interview. Is that how you describe it? And then a public interview. So I guess yep. my question is what's the difference between those two and then what do you think you brought to the interview that set you apart? So the private interview is actually in the morning before your competition even starts. And you go into this room with your panel of judges and you have a 10 minute interview talking about your resume, your social initiative, anything they kind of want to ask you. I was even asked if I had a million dollars, like what would I use it with? Um, and I think kind of what set me apart from the others in my interview was that I had a social impact that not many people had really talked about much. And so the judges were really curious to know about why I kind of got involved in this, what or what I want to do with it. So that was really exciting to tell them about what my plans were as Miss City of Fresno. So if you're encouraging someone to approach the interview successfully, your kind of approach would be to really focus on your kind of why, like why you're doing this and like your advocacy stuff, that would be your biggest recommendation? Yes, absolutely. I've learned through my times of interviewing for this and um, as well as professional jobs that you always want to have a reason and then why. So have your answer kind of push it through. That makes sense. Um, so and then there's the secondary interview, which is the public interview. Is this kind of a redo of the private, but just in front of other people? Typically, they say that the public interview is what your next question would have been, um, but we're kind of getting away from that and talking more about your social initiative. So for the public interview, it's in the beginning portion of the competition, and you come back in your interview outfit, usually you can change if you'd like, and you start by, they ask you a question, and it's, you have only 30 seconds to answer it, so it's really, really quick on your toes. Okay, because I feel like... I'm just going to say this. I feel like what people typically see 
unfortunately are like the negative flop interviews, um, you know, where they'll ask a question. Uh, <laughs> it's usually, I don't know why it is, but it's usually about geography and geography is hard for all of us. You know, like I was I asking, <laughs> I'm a teacher, I'm a history teacher. Um, and I, you know, you know, when the Ukraine crisis started, you know, we, we spent a long time as a class, where's Ukraine on the map. And so like, I know that there's just, you know, kind of gotcha facts that sometimes get thrown out at, uh, and I feel like it's kind of mean, you know, like, I feel like they're asking questions to try and, you know, but they're always doing that too, to see like how, what you would react in the public. Like I get asked questions every day when I'm out doing events and appearances and I gotta be quick with those answers. Even like little kids, they mm. ask some tricky questions. I, I mean, personally, it feels like if you don't know something, you should just say, I don't know. Um, That's what I've right? said in an interview before. I got asked in a private interview about, oh, so my birthday is on Friday the 13th, or I was born on Friday the 13th. And a judge had asked me, what's the fear of Friday the 13th called? I had no idea. So I said, I am not sure at this moment, but if you ask me later, I'll have an answer for you. And luckily I did look it up and he had asked me that on my onstage interview. And so I had the answer for him. But yeah, he was definitely trying to trick me on that one. And that's hard for, I mean, I feel like young people too, when they're in interviews, um, they want to portray that they know things, but there is some confidence, right? In saying what you don't know. And then being like, I don't, I know that I don't know this, but I can find it out and I will tell you. Um, and so it's not an ego thing necessarily. It's just about uh, being honest and being confident in, yeah, I don't know, but I yeah, will find out. We don't know everything as much as we'd love to. We just don't know everything. Okay. So the, the, so there's a few other aspects of the competition. There's also talents. Mm -hmm. Again, this is something that's heavily stereotyped. So this, this conversation really is you to dispel all the stereotypes of about these competitions. And I don't, it's, it's sad that they're so maligned and treated in this way, but uh, what, what are some examples of talents um, you know, uh, that you've seen that are not just kind of what people stereotype as talents. Right. I think as we've progressed in the Miss America 2.0 system, talents have really changed. Our previous Miss America, she did a science experiment, which was phenomenal. I was engaged. and I was like, wait, don't leave the stage because I want to watch it again and again. Um, I've seen monologues. I've seen speed painting. I've seen um, soccer tricks. Those are interesting ones because I wish I could do those things. Um, hula hooping. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Are these people creating these talents for the show or do you feel like they're actual things that they're interested in? I think it's, I think it depends on the person. For the most part, I believe your talent is something that you're interested in. Like mine is dance. I like to dance. I think it's fun. So that's why I've chosen that. I don't think you should do something that you're not interested in because then it conveys on stage that you're not in love with it and then it doesn't score that well. So usually it's people, things that people like love. Yeah. Um, and then there's also like a, kind of, are they calling it health and wellness category? Oh, yeah. For the teens, yes. Yeah, so what does that mean exactly? The teens come out, so they, it's usually a group thing for them. And so they all usually jog on stage, literally jog. And then one by one, they'll come to the front and the center and do like a little um, like aerobic workout type of deal, just to show that they're healthy and they care about their health. And that's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously one of the stereotypes is that it's uh, you know, these competitions are really focused on a certain look, mm -hmm. a certain type of body. Um, how would you respond to people that say these competitions are just highlighting people with certain kinds of bodies? I think just looking at 
who's currently a title holder, we all don't have the same body shape. We're not all the same size. We have girls are size zeros, size twos, all, all the way up to whatever. Um, and we all don't look the same. We're not all blonde haired. We don't all have blue eyes. We all have different levels of skill. Most some of us are in the doctorate program. I miss Anaheim Hills is currently a PhD student. So I don't think it's a stereotypical, just like blonde haired, blue eyed, super skinny and pretty. It definitely has varied and just has changed throughout the time. Okay. And so, um, what is, what is the final stage of the competition look like? The final stage is usually red carpet. And so that part is where we get to wear our really pretty gowns and we come out and we do just like a little evening walk for the teens. It looks a little bit different for the misses. We just walk and then we come off and then we're done for the teens. They'll walk for a little bit. They'll stop and then do their onstage interview question. And then they'll exit the stage. I see. So what is, what is life like after you become Miss Fresno? Like what's the before and after give us a pic. Well, not the, bef- you know, you know, regular <laughs> life. What is life like after? It was so it's, it's definitely changed my life for the better. I remember. So I'm also a teacher. I would just come home from work and be a little vegetable on the couch, probably prep some things for my kids the next day. Um, nothing too exciting, but after your life just changes, it's, full of events. And sometimes they're long events. Sometimes they're events that you really don't want to go to. Sometimes you really are passionate about them, but it's just really getting to know members of the community and share your passions with others and accept their new passions as your own. And it, it's just so much fun. Especially seeing the little kids when they have the crown and the sash on, they think you're like a princess. Mm. So what do you see your role in as Fresno in Fresno right now then? I want to say my role right now is I'm really focusing on not just my social impact, because it is very important to me, but I also want to be an active member of our community. I want like the kids to know like, oh, Miss City Fresno's here. Like she's really kind. She's not as what people kind of might think she is with a crown and sash on. So I've tried to become very um, involved in our community. I just participated in cheer tryouts for Justin Garza. I'm going to the Cedarwood Carnival tomorrow. So I try to be really involved in the community and show the kids that if you want to pursue something, don't let the stereotypes kind of keep you from doing it. No matter what people say, like, just go and have fun and enjoy it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about um, your area of focus around advocacy, which is around the deaf community. Um, How did you become interested in this? And what have you learned uh, about some of the challenges that people in the deaf community face um, in our community? I fell in love with the deaf community when I was just 13. I went to middle school and I don't know what happened in middle school, but like my bubble just kind of popped. There were so many different differences. There were cultural differences. So it's like I was submerged in this new world. I had nothing about. And I remember I was, it was fourth period. It was pre-algebra. I was in Mr. Martin's class. I'm sitting there and in comes this girl and she has a little cochlear implant and in comes an interpreter. And I was like, what are these people doing? Like what's happening here? And the interpreter was sitting there interpreting what's happening. And I just went, from math to straight over there, did not pay attention, did not do well in that class, by the way. And I was just so in love with them having this amazing conversation. And I wasn't really a part of it, but they were having it with just their hands, like not being loud, not talking, just one-on-one. And I also realized then I had no idea how to communicate with her. At the time, my birthday was coming up. I wanted to invite her to my birthday party. And I was like, how do I do it without being awkward? How do I do this without being rude? I wanted to be super respectable, but I or respectful, but I didn't want to come across like I didn't know what I was talking about. So I, after that, I went home and researched on YouTube and like the internet, I was like, how do you communicate with the deaf and hard of hearing? And so I went on from then to get a degree in deaf education as well as um, child development. And through that, I um, really learned how 
important is to be deaf aware because you never know when someone's going to walk through your door that might be hard of hearing. Absolutely. Um, and it's amazing that you had that ability to be aware of someone not being included in some ways in your classroom. And especially when in middle school, when you're so aware of all the differences and you want to highlight those, but it sounds like you were moving in the opposite direction. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, ASL. Um, and it's, you know, it is a language. And I know that, um, you know, there's some controversy about cochlear implants. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what it's um, learning ASL um, and, but also kind of uh, how cochlear implants are perceived in the deaf community? So I'll start with cochlear implants. Um, cochlear implants are, they can be helpful, but they can also, it depends on who's, who's making the decisions. Um, the studies I've shown behind it, they are able to perceive a certain amount of sounds. However, if it's not programmed correctly, or if your body doesn't accept it correctly, it won't be able to do that. So it's like, is it being beneficial or is it not being, being beneficial? And also in the deaf community, they don't like to look at how, who they are as a disability. And it's not an inability, it's just how they are and how they're living their lives. So most of them see the cochlear implant as a way of trying to fix them, like saying like, oh, you're broken, like let's fix you. Um, so it's not super well liked amongst the community, but once again, to each their own, if that's something that you've chosen for yourself or your child, then that's great mm -hmm. for you. And sometimes it really works out for people. And the friend that I had met in middle school loved it. And that's great, it was good for her. Um, with American Sign Language, it's so easy to learn. I feel like people get kind of intimidated by it because they move really quickly. But most yes. of the signs make so much sense. Like orange is squeezing an orange like this. Like it's super easy. Milk is pulling on it. Like it's just, they all make sense. So I think if people really want to take the time to know it, there are so many resources out there. There is YouTube. That's where I learned most of mine until I got to college. And even our Fresno Deaf and Heart of Pain Service Center, they offer classes and they're very reasonable and price-wise. They take about a month long. You go once a week for about an hour and you're um, coming out with some new skills. Yeah, it seems like everyone should at least know like some basics, like kind of like if you're traveling to another country and you want to know, like asking the bathroom and like, do you need help? And like, it seems like some of those basics um, should be there, but I think most of us just don't know it. And maybe it's, that it's not built into our school system in the way maybe it should, which kind of leads me to my next question, which is, um, you know, how, how have you perceived that our school system, not specifically in Fresno, but we can talk about it in Fresno, um, uh, supporting uh, deaf students in, in public school system? Well, I grew up in Clovis Unified, so I can kind of see like what I saw growing up and I graduated right. like six years ago. Um, Clovis Unified, at least the middle school I went to, I went to Alta Sierra and they have a special education program built into their school. So they do a fantastic job providing their students with the resources that they need. Um, interpreters for kids, whether they're deaf, fully deaf or just hard of hearing, just giving them the resources they need to make them feel comfortable and include in their classroom. Um, providing, well, I forgot what they're called actually, but they're like little radios and the child wears a piece in their ear and the teacher has a piece so they can amplify what they're saying. Mm. Um, and those teachers are provided that for free. Just give it to them and they pass it around. Um, I was talking to a teacher from Fresno Unified and she kind of didn't relay the same information for me that she wasn't feeling supported with her deaf student. So I think what needs to be done kind of there is a bring it back into the school systems, at least in here in Fresno Clovis, American Sign Language isn't considered a foreign language anymore. That's mm -hmm. something I like to kind of brought back. 
and as well as just providing support for the teachers because it is a huge like cultural change for them too technically if they have no clue about it so it's like giving them support and the resources that they need to help that their child is prepared for what they're learning and there's so much that happens in the classroom that's auditory that it's like you know it just feels like it's it's something that almost should require like training for teachers to really know how to teach because it's so different. Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things that are not auditory that um, they can do in the same way that uh, students who are not deaf do, but uh, it feels like there's so much there. What is, what's the, what's the experience like for a deaf student in a mainstream public school? What does that look like for them? It can be extremely overwhelming having to kind of go from class to class to class and feel like they're like the odd one out just because of their, how their ears work and how they don't work. And so I was talking to a deaf student a little while ago and she just expressed feeling so defeated and left out, like all through um, elementary school, middle school and high school, because the teachers perceived her, oh, like she's doing great. Her grades are good, but she had no friends. And so she was doing great in the academic sense, but the other needs weren't being met because they weren't trying to include her in other activities. So I think it can be very overwhelming and very hard if they don't have the resources needed and their school isn't really inclusive. But that's why a lot of students do go off to all deaf schools like Gallaudet and the Riverside School. Right. And I was just going to ask about that because I watched that wonderful Netflix series, Deaf U. um, And it feels like um, I mean, not every kid needs to be put in a community with like kids in order to be successful, but this seems like something where it's, it seems really clearly beneficial to be in an environment where there's other deaf students, just so you can communicate, right? And just so you can, um, and there is no, all, are there all deaf schools in Fresno? Um, there's not. So, Fremont. so you, yeah, so you got to move essentially in order to do that. Um, is it, I wonder if that's a population thing. Like there's gotta be a certain amount of people in order to open one of those schools, but, uh, that seems like for the average has a very high deaf population. Really? So it feels like for, you know, families that can't afford to just move across, like they're just kind of left out. So does Fresno need an all deaf school? I think we do. I think we need some kind of resource for those students. So they just feel included and happy in school because especially middle school, like that's when school gets really hard for kids. And that's when their mental health really becomes a factor. And if they're not happy in their schools and they're not happy at home because they don't have the support at home as well, then that's when we start to notice like children are growing, like developing depression and stuff like that. So I think we do probably should look at an all deaf school for the president of maybe Clovis and I joint, joint together. Yeah, because it seems like we, you know, public school is meant to serve everyone. Um, and, you know, if it's if you feel left out and uh, constantly like you're working at a level where your teachers need more help to support you, seems like something's necessary. So how have you um, been able to use your new platform as a, as a way to advocate on this issue? One of my favorite things to do is at being a teacher, I teach TK. Um, I've started implementing American Sign Language into my everyday classroom life. So just to kind of get them aware of like, there are people with differences out there. And this is kind of how you balance it. This is how you go about doing it. You don't just say, hey, what's that on your ear? There's ways to talk about it. There's ways to sign to them. So my kids already know how to sign to their like deaf peers if they do encounter them. Um, Another thing that I've really been using through my platform is American Sign Language tutorial videos. So I do post, I try to do maybe twice a month, um, just helpful things like, how to say things at the grocery store, your alphabet, how to introduce yourself, just so people have the resources out there. 
that if they ever do encounter the peer, they're not like, oh my gosh, what do I do? They're looking at me. How do I say hi? Just to kind of help them feel comfortable. I've also been posting deaf education, deaf culture tips and tricks, how to become more deaf aware, um, how to talk with your mouth. Don't shout at them. It's not helpful. Other things like that. Let's talk about your children's book. So um, you recently published a children's book uh, kind of on this area or issue. Um, so what was the inspiration? I mean, we, we know what the inspiration was, is, you know, but uh, what was the idea behind the book and what was, what were you trying to achieve by uh, writing this book? Yeah, through my children's book, I was really targeting parents and educators and like their children and their students, because when you teach it young, it just becomes normal to them. They don't think it's like, oh, this is different. This is weird. This is new. So when they know young, they just like, oh, this is normal. I know what to do. I know how to conquer this. And so that's kind of what I thought about. I was thinking of my students. How would I want them to meet a deaf student? How I want them to kind of communicate with them? So in my book, my friend Camille, um, a little girl meets a deaf classmate for the very first time. And she's really getting frustrated. Like, why is she my friend? Why can't I play with her? What's going on? And so her teacher kind of helps her navigate that. Her mom, they go to Deaf and Hard of Pain Service Center and they learn some immigrant language and then and in super happy with them playing together. What was that like for you writing a book? It was strange. I, when I was younger, I always used to write like books all the time. Like I would spend my whole summer trying to write a book, but as I got older, it's kind of a skill that I kind of forgot about. So thinking about doing it again was really exciting. I spent a lot of time in the afternoons just looking up ideas to kind of figure out how I wanted to do it. And I also illustrated it myself as well. So wow. spending a lot of time looking at like, who do I want this character to look like? I would pick some people I knew from my life. Like, okay, this one's dedicated from you. My cat's in it. It was really exciting. Well, maybe on in the Miss California competition, you can uh, write and illustrate a book on stage for everyone <laughs> and then read it once you're done. In a minute, 30 seconds, I totally would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like you're full of talents. I mean, writing books, um, and then you're also a gymnastics coach as well. I used to be. I okay. now my body is way too old for that, so I'm just sticking to teaching the kids academics. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. More coaching. Yeah, let's um, let's close by talking about some books. Um, uh, are there uh, favorite books or books that are important to you that you'd like to share with listeners? Absolutely. These are a lot of books that are kind of geared towards children and then the classroom. So if anyone's like a TK teacher, kindergarten teacher, first grade have kids, this one's for you. So um, a book that I like for babies is my first book of baby signs. It's by Lane Rebelo. It's on Amazon, but it kind of goes through all the signs that are important for babies to know, like all done, more, milk, mom, dad. And it really gives you step-by-step instructions on how to help teach up to your child. And I love it. It has great pictures and illustrations. Um, One of my other favorite ones is if you like The Office, it's called The Office, A Day at Dunder Mifflin Elementary. And that one is geared towards helping your children know when to ask for help because they kind of are those little people who think sometimes I can do this myself. I got this. I don't need you, but it's also important to remember, like if you need help, sometimes it's okay to ask. So I like that one for that. Um, and then my last two are all are welcome and our class as a family. I read these in my classroom, usually the first week of school, but we do revisit them often when kids kind of forget the rules of the classroom. And it just kind of, those two books are great because it really features diversity in the classrooms. There are children with turbans, there are children um, and wheelchairs with crutches, things like that just really shows children that it's okay to be different and that it's nothing that's abnormal. It's normal. It's totally okay to be different. And I like those books that shares about diversity and working together as a team. That's amazing. Those all sound like great books that parents should just have on their shelves, right? Um, Not just at school. Cause you know, I mean, we, we know as educators that if you're reading at home, you know, that's, 
it's going to help reading in school. And it all just kind of blend, you know, combines forces to make your kids better readers. Um, let's close by talking about what's next. Um, so what's next for you in terms of, you know, uh, what projects you're working on, but what's also next in terms of uh, the competition world? So some projects coming up that I haven't really released just yet. So you get the first little drip of it. Um, we're going to be having a book signing, hopefully in somewhere very popular in town. Well, I'll be signing books as well as giving them out. If one hasn't gotten a copy just yet. Um, doing a clothing drive for the deaf and hard of hearing community to get some interview clothes because they are a community that often kind of gets overlooked when it comes to interviews. So I want to give them the um, proper resources to feel confident in that interviewing to get that next job. And for a competition, the competition is in three months. Wait, one month, three months, March. Yes, three months away. And for that, I'm just prepping for interview prep. So this has been super helpful and mm -hmm. practicing my talent. I just got my costume in and I'm getting ready to gear up for Miss California and hopefully bring home a brand new title with a new crown and sash. So what are there any key differences between the Miss Fresno competition and Miss California? Is it just a bigger stage or is it um, are there some differences that, you know? For the most part, they're the same. You just compete against a lot more people. Um, but actually, fun fact, Miss Fresno County or Miss City of Fresno, sorry, and Miss Clovis were staged where Miss California will be at the Paul Chagoyne at Clovis North. Really? I did. We've been the proud homeowners of Miss California for over 30 years, and this is our last year having it. So we're hoping it ends with a really nice bang here. That's awesome. Um, and then after, you know, if, you, if you're successful in uh, our Miss California, what, what happens then? Oh, my whole world changes. <laughs> yeah. I would be traveling a lot more, working on new goals. I have set a long list of goals I want to accomplish as Miss California. I'm getting to share my platform with not just my city anymore, but the whole state from top to bottom. Getting to go to Miss America in the winter time. It's filled with lots of exciting things. Well, that is so exciting. Fingers are crossed. We're so excited for you. And that's three months away, right, is the next competition. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for talking with me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Best. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ashlyn Cruz. As always, you can support this podcast by either leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.